This is a more than just podcast production. Hey, everybody, welcome to episode 351 of the More Than Just Code podcast. My name is Tim Mitchell, and I am in Toronto, Ontario. I'm joined once again by Jaime Lopez Jr. in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? We have Mark Rubin on the line in San Jose, California. All righty. So it's been a while. It's been a minute, as it were. Um, I don't recall um, any mistakes we made in the last show, so we have no fact check. Imagine that. We're getting better at this. We're getting better mm-hmm. at this, yes. We should take we should take longer breaks between shows. And uh, I guess, you know, the, the well is dry. We have no Ask MTJC, I assume, either. I didn't see any when I looked. All right, cool. Alrighty, well, so a little bit of follow-up from our last episode. We were discussing the iPhone 14 had just been announced. Uh, we've now, I believe, some of us have them. I, I don't know about you guys. Do you guys have your iPhone 14 Pros or Pro anything yet? I don't yet, no. You, Hame? I do not, and I think I have bailed out and decided not to. It's not a hard decision. I, yeah. you, know, you know, don't hold me to it. Next episode, uh, I may be like, oh, look, I sure love my 14 Pro, it's so great. Um, I may change my mind yeah. yet again, but as of right now, I think I'm going to hold off for one more year. Well, at the rate it's going, you got a couple of months to decide before between our next episode and this one, right? Mm-hmm. So I do have the iPhone 14 Pro. I decided to jump in. I think once I figured out, uh, and I think it was on the show that we that I figured it out last time, because um, I think we were recording a couple of days before they went on sale. I did buy one and I bought the Pro and I bought it with the PayBright uh, pay-as-you-go plan um, with no interest from set up by Apple but organized through PayBright here in Canada. So I am enjoying a iPad Pro 14 256 with uh, Jaime's favorite uh, deep purple color and uh, Apple Care for around $75 Canadian, rough give or take, few tax dollars here and there. So yeah, it's and that's good. For I like two the years? camera. Hmm? That's two, over two years? I think so, yes. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, I mean, I was paying about the same for an iPhone 12 Pro from Rogers. So it was, but I was, they had, there was an interest charge on top of that, like a financing charge, right? So once, once I pay off the Rogers one, which should be soon, I'll be free and clear from them and I can, I can finally be able to, you know, take my business elsewhere. But, uh, and this will be the first time I've, the second, second phone I've bought outright since you've been buying iPhones, actually. Yeah, so anyway, so my follow-up is that uh, we were discussing iPhone 14 screen sizes, and I have a couple of uh, articles here that I picked up along the way. The first one was we were trying to, because that other document we were referring to from Paint Code uh, was, um, only I think it stopped at the iPhone 11, right? So, and the 12 and the 13 are very close to, uh, I think, yeah, 13, I can't remember if the 13 is bigger, but the 14 here um, is listed at 16, 6.1 inches diagonally for the 14, and the Pro is also 6.1, and the max sizes are 6.7. The difference is the uh, amount of space at the top of the screen for the either notch or, I don't know what we're calling this what was it called? Dynamic Island? I think so. Yep. This is a mouthful. Yeah. Yeah, so in this first article, uh, there's a bit of specs about it, but it, the, he has a nice di- diagram explaining the amount of space in the safe area and, uh, you know, a nice little graphic here with the green and yellow showing the safe area and the um, amount of space left over for the status bar at the top. And same thing with the iPhone Plus. And then, of course, on the, with the Dynamic Island, surprisingly, it's actually larger, larger amount of space for the, for the um, status bar area. It's 54 points versus 
what is it, 47 points. Yeah, so it's a few points taller in terms of the amount of space. For some reason, the the, the instrument panel, instrument cluster is smaller, but you'll have to have more space, I guess. That's for the dynamicness or whatever. That's why they keep the palm trees on the island. But So the first well, article here... Actually, the, it looks like the 14 and the 14 plus are the 47 points, but the Pro and the Pro Max are 59 yeah, points. Yeah, Pro are 54. Oh, did I say that wrong? Yeah, you or were no? saying the... 13. I, I thought you were saying the 13 was 47 points. Sorry. No, no. Yeah, I may, I may have said that wrong. But yeah, no, I meant the I meant the 14, the plain old 14 with the old chip yeah. um, basically has 47 points of protected area. And then the um, pro models have 59 points in total. So. so this, yeah, this is interesting. This is the first time I think within a generation that they've had a different, different size, not safe area between different devices. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's going to cause some issues. So they have them listed here in terms of like the complete sizes of um, phones in terms of pixels or, or points, I guess. Um, you know, like the, the large phones are 430 by 932 at three times um, resolution, I guess. And then the 6.1 all the way down to the, the four inch one is I think the current iPhone. Is there an iPhone 4 iPhone SE, is that still on the market? I guess it's still supported, right? I think it's still supported, yes. Yeah, so I'll, uh, that's 320 by 568, which is the old, you know, um, I guess the iPhone 5 size, right? iPhone 5, that's um, where it started, yeah. Yeah, that was and the then, long one. So the second article that follows up on, that was from userloaf.com. The second article I have here is an interesting one. It's uh, an article by um, Jeff Hacksworth, and he does a bit more exam- a bit more examination. He talks about how Apple, even in spite of the fact that the phones have different sizes of space a safe area that Apple's um, UI system adjusts automatically to the size of the screen, which is, we kind of hypothesized on that a few times on this show. But he's got an app called, he's written an app, uh, I think you can, you can download it off of GitHub, called app Adaptability, I believe. And it draws lines on the screen to show you where uh, things, um, like like measurements and lines, almost like a drafting diagram, which shows you the... the um, amount of spaces, whether your phone's in portrait mode or landscape mode, um, and shows you things like toolbars and stuff like that. I haven't really played with it, but in this article, he talks about how Apple's um, able to uh, dynamically adjust the size of the screen for the device, right? So I guess we don't have to worry about layouts and stuff like that. Like, remember the headaches we used to have to go through between iPad and iPhone when they first came out, right? Different sizes. Need more size classes. Need more size classes. (laughs) Well, we don't, apparently, according to this (laughs) article. Um, Right, What's interesting, though, is that he talks about the, he says that, uh, what was it? there was one thing I was reading here that he said that, I think it was on the simulator, it scales it down to like iPhone 13 size, even though the 14, as we discussed, have has more safe area. Yeah, he says that it's kind of zoom, it kind of zooms it up or whatever. And he also has, you know how you have, the, I don't know if you remember when you set your phone up, you have the standard zoom and the, and the zoom, the mm-hmm. zoomed version. Um, he also has a way, the app is able to show you um, the difference in and he's got these all screenshots for this article so you don't have to download the app you can actually just go through here and read it so it's kind of cool um tool to be able to have or to be able to look at the different sizes and you know obviously if you're doing anything design wise or layout you know i behooves you to look at this yeah i mean for a very long time you should be using things like safe area but every once in a while you've got something that you know isn't going to fit the standard and you got to sort of deal with the design a little differently so it's good to actually know these things and be aware if you're looking to style a little differently than the the base stuff. 
it shouldn't be yeah, your default to go to go wild. The, the pixel perfect days of uh, you know every iPhone is the same size uh, has not been true for a long time. But I think it's too far to say. Well, only use the standard stuff a hundred percent of the time. That's that's not practical. I think. Yeah, what's interesting in the article in the conclusion here, he talks about um, that some people had noticed this difference I was talking about between the uh, the simulator layout and test flight, where a person had noticed that there was a difference in the layout on a fourteen and a fourteen Pro when you uh, when you're coming through, like between what you see in simulator, it's a slight size difference. So again, it goes mm-hmm. back to my old, you know, I want to see it on a device kind of proofing, mm-hmm. you know. To make sure my layouts are behaving properly, it is a simulator. It doesn't always do things perfectly. I do remember seeing some weird text layout things that it looks great in a simulator. Oh my gosh, it looks terrible in a real device. I wonder what's happening there. Um, and yeah. that can still happen. So it's always good to see it, you know, for reals, uh, even if you're doing it from like automated testing or something that takes screenshots and then you can, you know, eat your sandwich while you see all the screenshots that it made for you. Yeah, and just as a bit of a follow-up here, I'm not going to talk about it right now, but if you're curious about this same sort of thing on iPads, uh, Jeff has also written an article called View Controller Presentation Changes in iOS and iPad OS 16. So when you click on that one, he does the same exploration uh, on iPad layouts. So if you're curious about that, I highly recommend that. I'll have a link in the show notes for that one as well. But that's cool. Anyway, so the reason why we convened here today is uh, to talk about a few things, but um, obviously there was an event, not quite, it was a non-event yesterday, I guess we can call it, right? Where Apple rolled out some new equipment. But before we get into that, I've got a couple, we've got a couple of uh, sort of follow-up articles that um, are, we consider main topic, not so much, because we haven't really talked about them on the show before, but, or have we? Um, the first one was, I think we were discussing last time I raised the question of like, why do we, why do we care about USB-C versus lightning ports? Um, you know, when we're all moving towards MagSafe and, and key chargers and that kind of stuff. And the future seems to be wireless, you know, uh, we have wireless, uh, debugging on with Xcode as well. And, uh, but since that uh, time, I think what a week ago, I think, uh, the European Union sort of put their foot down and European Union said Apple has to move away from lightning ports and they want USB-C standard on all devices going forward. And you guys are familiar with that story, right? Yeah. I'm not familiar with the European law and the way these things always get presented is like, you know, unclear to me as an outsider as to whether this is actually definitive. You verily all the signatures have been gathered sort of effective law or if it's sort of on its way through the different houses, parliaments, courts, etc., that need to, to dot all the I's and cross all the T's. Uh, this often happens even within the U.S. Like, oh, uh, the Senate passed this thing. Like, that's cool. Has, has it been signed by the other part? Has a president looked at it? Great. <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, it's good to give me a heads up, but you really should tell people, like, is this actually happening? Has it happened or not? So let's assume that it is an inevitability for the European law just to simplified and you can use hashtag ask mtjc if we completely blew it and you know didn't understand but let's just assume basic general idea government somewhere has decided that like barely all chargers shall use this standard and it's called USB-C. it simplifies so i look at it i look at it this way like it's it's like the monty python on the holy grail where you know the, the european union is king arthur and you guys are dennis you know on in the fields and you know but i'm your king and he dennis looks at him and says i didn't vote for you right so um, it's it's interesting, like that that 
You know, isn't it cute that the European Union thinks they can push Apple around, right? Is my, my take on that, right? Well, I mean, it's a pretty good chunk of business. It's a big market, yeah. It'd be yeah. hard for one country to do it. Um, but for uh, a consortium of them, a, a cabal of them to do it, uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's why you create something like that, right? To, to punch above your weight class as a collective whole to, uh, to form a union of sorts. I don't want to put it that way. But nevertheless, uh, we, like a European Union, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we digressed um, a little bit here, but uh, but let's let's assume that this law going to, and it's not unique to Europe. I think Brazil might be doing something similar. Um, uh, either Japan and or Korea or South Korea are doing something similar. So there's like a large sort of hey, everybody should just use this one standard kind of thing. That people are like, you know, they're, they're they're tired of carrying around dongles and and different chargers. They just want everything to to use just the one plug. Well, I mean, by the same token, so we have MagSafe now in, in most of our phones, right? And, and I believe the, the latest iPhone or iWatch, Apple Watch 8 will also uh, charge on a key charger. And so will the AirPods case, if I'm not mistaken, right? So this article written by Mark Gurman, uh, October 9th, basically says, like, you know, what's, what's the big deal? I mean, it, and it hopefully for Mark, this is great news because it'll bring air power to the back onto the market, right? Um, right. Because if everything goes wireless or everything goes to wireless charging, you know, um, off we go to the races, right? Um, I don't know, like you guys, have you, when's the, like, I mean, when you haven't, you haven't bought any new phones recently, but I've gone through a couple of phones setups and iPad setups over the last couple of years. I haven't had to plug the phone in other than charge it. I haven't had to plug a phone in to, to do any data transfer or anything like that. It's all been done, you know, over the air or, or by sitting two iPhones next to each other and just magically, you know, punching in the, credentials and having it transfer over and then the rest of it downloads from iCloud, right? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So, I mean, we don't really need cables per se, you know? Um, that said, I still use cables when I'm building for Xcode, but that's another point. Um, Wireless debugging, yeah. though. Like, you yeah, don't have still... to use cables with Xcode. Um, yeah, not the a hard I- requirement. For the iPad, you do. You still need cables for the iPad. Oh, really? I thought that, I thought that one had it, too. I find it buggy. No, there aren't any iPads that have MagSafe, are there? That have wireless charging? No, no. Oh, well, not per se. Uh, well, no, I mean, they have the... Oh, and now you make me... It's like a, there's a smart connector on the back of the iPad. Like, I have my Magic Keyboard plugs into... I just leave it plugged in. Right. With a USB-C charge. Right. And then and then my, my iPad has, like, connectors on the back, and it just magically charges. And, and same thing with the, the current Apple Pencil 2. We'll talk about charging the Apple Pencil 1 in a few minutes, hopefully. But... The the pencil tube just charges as well through magnetic uh, induction, right? So yes, the pencil does, but the um, the iPad when it's plugged into the folio does it, or does it have to plug in? Yeah, do yeah, you have you, do you, you have like a do you have a um, magic keyboard or I do, do you have yeah yeah I guess it does, doesn't it? That's interesting. I guess it does. Okay. Well, it's held in place by mag. It's got like a like it's almost like a MagSafe. It's kind of connected right. on, this, on But the, does it charge? Back, right? Actually, I always I, I would pretty much yeah. always keep it plugged in. Oh no no! If you if you plug your USB cable USB C cable into your Magic Keyboard, yeah. right? Yeah. And then just plunk your iPad onto the Magic Keyboard. It will charge. Hmm. Okay. So you don't okay. have to ever use that that USB. I very rarely use the USB C port on the side of my iPad. Hmm. You know. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, I, unless I'm like going rogue and I'm just not taking the keyboard with me, which I do from time to time. But yeah, I mean, like, the future is, like, looking bright. I mean, that's what this article is basically saying, is that, like, you know, we're, we're moving towards wireless. Um, 
And again, I don't really think it's that big a deal for Apple to put a USB-C device or charging cable thing into a future phone, right? So which side are you asking from? Because the the snarky comment is like, if it was so easy, how come Apple hasn't done it? You know, just (laughs) just get out your CAD and and, and, and copy and paste the USB, you know, select and delete the the lightning one. Do you mean from a more of like what, what it does to the market kind of move, what it signals? Uh, to to switch away from lightning yeah i don't know do we have i guess we have nobody on android here um like i was kind of i was thinking this morning like does android not have key charging devices they must right wireless devices yeah i'm sure they do Mm -hmm. yeah yeah Yeah, uh, samsung phones have uh, some sort of high speed wireless charging pretty sure the new pixel phones have it as well so it's i don't i can't speak to how common it is but it's certainly not unusual to have so there's, you know, vaguely. I think they equivalent. also have the ability to charge. They have the ability to charge from one phone to the other as well, right? Samsung is the only oh, one I can right. think of off the top of my head that I've personally seen. Um, well, not personally seen the devices do it, but but seeing the actual commercials touting that such a feature. Um, but you know, when you have that sort of thing in one device manufacturer, it's certainly plausible that other ones will have it too. I'm just not super up to date with the latest and greatest and what's going on in Android. Yeah, I mean, I won't complain when my iPhone is using a USB-C cable because, I mean, just about everything I have is USB-C now. Like, I have, you know, two Macs and, and I've got this iPad here that are already using USB-C, right? And I bought a nice little charger for traveling, which has two USB-C ports and is enough, it's strong enough to charge a Mac and an iPad at the same time, right? So I won't miss the lightning cable, um, but, you know, I, I, I don't see what the fuss is, to be honest with you, but, you know. Other than that, I think, if you, you know, in the future, like we're, we're moving towards wireless everything, right? Data transfer. I mean, other than the physical speed you get from using a physical cable, right? That is the one thing that gives me a little bit of pause that most of the time, maybe 99 times out of 100, I would be perfectly fine with wireless charging and the decent speed that it does. Even for some of those, you know, get you from, you know, close to nothing up to 50, 75, 80% within some very short period of time. And then there's that one time where like, oh no, I desperately need this thing to charge like now. It needs to be fully charged within an hour. Otherwise, I got to do some sort of backup plan, like carry some batteries with me so I can recharge. Um, Pick your your poison, travel, camping there's like other edge cases um, and i think it's fair to call them edge cases i don't know that there are occasions where i would day to day normally require wired charging i just need good user experience to make sure that i didn't accidentally bump the thing slightly off the wireless charger and now it has silently not been charging which is much more difficult to have in when you have a, a physical cable that like snugly hangs on to the, the device yeah well, as I think, as I'm looking at these pictures, I'm thinking, okay, so my trackpad has to plug in through a lightning cable to charge, and there's, and I don't have any of these new mice that has a USB, or sorry, lightning, yeah, lightning the, cable. Yeah, the Bluetooth keyboards also, you have to charge them with the lightning. With lightning? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so so that would be, that was, those are devices would be awkward once we get rid of, you know, lightning cable per se, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's always tough to do that sort of transition, but I think it's ultimately a good thing for having a standard. I mean, there, there's a reason internet browsers have standardized on what they do. You don't fire up, you know, 
Brave or Firefox or Chrome and Safari or Edge and be like, oh, no, I'm so shocked that this this website was made for Netscape and now it doesn't work on my, my browsing. Well, because we've pretty much standardized on that, right? We're differentiating on other things. And I do think Lightning has, even today, continues to be superior in some ways over USB-C. Um, is it enough to really warrant having this outlier cable versus just standardizing on the, the cable, or at least the input part, and largely sort of leaving it in the dust when we've got wireless stuff going on. I'm okay. And it's not like we had, not the first time we had the 32-pin connector on the iPods and the iPads and iPhones for the longest time, and we, I mean, we don't miss those, right? We sure did at the time, though. We could go into the Wayback Machine and remember people getting so angry that the latest, then latest Apple devices switched the pin connector to uh, lightning. Yeah, and they were mad when they took away the floppy drive, too, you know. (laughs) (laughs) I saw, I have a USB floppy drive in my drawer if you need to borrow it. Uh, Okay, exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, so speaking of only available in the United States, um, what's going on with Apple Card, Jaime? This is a weird one. This is just a press release that went out, and I've got a few links here to to people talking about it uh, in general. So Apple put out a press release on October 13th, 2022, saying that Apple Card, and I'm reading from it right now, Apple Card will soon let users grow daily cash rewards while saving for the future. Apple Card users will be able to grow their rewards in Apple Wallet by automatically depositing their daily cash into a new high-yield savings account from Goldman Sachs. There's not much in here. Uh, there's a lot of bluster about Apple Card, and you can use it at Panera Bread and T-Mobile and Ace Hardware and etc. Some nice UI designs that kind of look like what you would expect if you were to mock it up. It's really more about the kind of interesting next logical step that Apple seems to be taking here towards. You know, they're to be really clear, they're absolutely 100% not a bank. They could not present themselves as that, right? Goldman Sachs, in this case, is the chartered right. bank, right? Um, but in this um, increasingly fintech, financial technology blended world, uh, it gets a little fuzzier. Do do you really care whether Apple itself is the bank? Not really. You like the wonderful UI that it has right there in Apple Wallet. Um, I think that's kind of an interesting an interesting play, kind of a logical one, given that they've added the Apple uh, Buy Now Pay Later to uh, to Apple Pay and etc. So they're really growing that whole sort of financial life that you have i don't know i think this is all a bunch of nothing i think it's it's just it's it's nothing more than the fact that interest rates are much higher than they were six months ago six months ago treasury bonds were giving you 0.1 percent interest now they give you about three percent interest so anywhere where you have just a little bit of money sitting around uh that's capable of earning you know uh risk-free roughly three percent interest. So so any money that you have sitting in an account at, at Goldman Sachs for backing your your uh, Apple card is just money that's sitting there that Goldman Sachs is backing with treasury bonds probably. So they're taking a little bit of cut and giving you 2% or something like that. This is nothing. It's just like when you have a brokerage account. Uh, if you have money in your brokerage account that isn't invested, it sits in this kind of backing account. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you've noticed those rates that you're getting, your interest rates on those that you, that you were getting 0.1% on six months ago, you're now getting roughly two to 3% on. So it's the same deal. It's just, there's money sitting around, uh, 
because interest rates are high, that money has to earn interest or you're going to take it out and move it somewhere else, right? Simple as that. Uh, so I think this is nothing. I think this is just, this was happening anyway. So Apple released a press release, put out a press release and look how great this is now, but it's nothing. Yeah. It's nothing. There's nothing to this. Your savings account at your bank went from 0.1% to 3% too. It's, Did it? Oh, yes. okay. Yes. Yes. Well, so let's split a few things there. So I think it's, uh, it's not going to be huge in making waves in terms of um, uh, an APY. Uh, annual percentage yield standpoint and yep. looking at Investopedia, the highest one I see is fitness bank at 3.5 and the second to third place are a bunch of 3.11s, 3.10s, 3.05, 3.01. So to your point that like everybody's joining in the fun from this, this isn't like right. you know some crazy and, 10% and are, or 20% or something. Right. Uh, these product. are savings accounts. So, but if you look at three months, short term treasury bonds, so you buy a three-month bond, you get 3.9% annualized income. So all these banks can offer these high interest rates because they take your money. I mean, they don't actually do this, but in, in effect, what they're doing is they're taking your money that you've put in, they're buying treasury bonds at 4%, and they're paying you 3.5% interest, and they're keeping the other half percent. So, it's, so the treasury bond is, is covered by the government, like the treasury? Yeah. The, well, the Fed. Okay. The, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, uh, there's the full, what are, there's some phrase, full faith in something of the U.S. government behind it. Um, the U.S. government is basically saying this will not default. Uh, so it's, it's, it's the, it's the most risk free investment in the world that you can possibly get. Um, you know, so you buy stock, you know, there's risk. It could go down. It could go up. It could go down. Um, you buy real estate. It could go up. It could go down. Uh, but a, but a treasury bond will never go down. If you, you buy a treasury bond for a certain term, uh, could be three months, could be 30 years. Uh, at the end of that term, you get paid the amount that they said they would pay you at the beginning. So it's, it's completely risk free. Now, of course, inflation going up makes the actual dollar value not as good as it as it seemed right but so if you you know if you if you're getting four percent interest on a treasury bond and inflation is eight percent like it is now then you're still kind of losing money long term but Mm -hmm. uh, but that's a whole different arc that's a whole different discussion yeah all this is is you know all the banks are doing this anyway this is nothing nothing at all to do with apple uh and they're just you know they put out a press release why not I mean, they still had to build the feature though, right? So, so you're right from like a user standpoint, it kind of becomes a nice thing where I'm looking at my Apple cash and uh, it'd be kind of nice if that was earning, they've still not oh, sure. revealed the percentage, right? If it was earning yeah. more than the practically zero than it is now uh, and, and adding that fuller financial life, I'm like, okay, I see what they're doing there. For me, this is kind of more interesting in that like uh, Apple is starting to become Starbucks. Well, there's a there's a title for you, right? So, so Starbucks is weirdly um, a bank that sells coffee, right? So all of those uh, uh, those cards that you have, those gift cards that your manager might have given you, like, hey, uh, good job on that project. Here's ten bucks, right? It's all in there, and it's this weird sort of uh, economy that they've they've kept in there, where if you know you buy something, uh, if you send somebody value, it's really just this internal database change for money that stays within Starbucks's ledger and its accounts. 
And only when you actually try to convert it into something like, you know, fiat dollars, I'm like, oh, like this gift card, um, I didn't buy the full $10. I sure would like to cash this out in some sort of way, or I'd like to get the change on whatever. Only when they hit actual payment rails did they start paying actual uh, interchange and a whole bunch of other things that at scale are a big deal. So for Starbucks, there's something like a $1 billion asset, which makes them a pretty nice, uh, not really a community right. bank. They're like a, a like a regional bank, not a huge one, well, but a pretty, pretty sizable regional uh, uh regional bank and apple is much bigger so having hypothetically a bunch of these things where i am paying for stuff with my apple savings account and pulling money uh all it is is changing you know ledger values and not actually going over payment rails probably ends up with some significant savings no pun intended for apple itself when it comes to dealing with payments so i think that's the bigger play uh you incidentally getting uh you know x percent uh, you incidentally uh, doing things with it, probably not that interesting to them other than I really hope they buy this iPhone with this savings account money and not with this credit card. Uh, even Apple. Card. I would say, I would say Apple is not becoming Starbucks. Apple is moving away from what Starbucks Apple was doing exactly the same as Starbucks because Starbucks doesn't pay you interest on that money that you have on your card. But now you will be making interest on the money. Maybe Starbucks will do it too. I suppose uh, it, it's it it it's really an incentive for keeping it in the system or 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 rather from 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 you taking it out of the system is what they're worried about because if you can if you have a thousand dollars built up in your apple cash let's say uh if you aren't getting the three percent interest well the correct thing for you to do is take that money out put it in a bank and get that three percent interest and then buy your apple stuff later but but now, but Apple doesn't want you to do that, right? They don't want you to take the money out. Or really, it's not Apple. It's Goldman Sachs. Don't ever forget, it's not Apple. This is Goldman Sachs. Uh, Apple just put their, you know, their wrapper on it. Uh, they don't want you to take that out because then they lose their capitalization, right? They, all this money that 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 Goldman Sachs has in all these accounts, they're using either to lend out to other people or to buy things like treasury bonds, and they're making money off of that. So if you take that money out. Then they're losing that that uh, capital, uh, so they might as well give you something uh, to keep you from taking that out. And it will always be less than you can go out and buy treasury bonds for, of course, because they have to make money. But Starbucks hasn't Starbucks hasn't done that. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if they do. Yeah, it's not a perfect analogy. Yeah, yeah. I I, I imagine there's more churn. Well, I don't know if there's more churn on a Starbucks. People are constantly. Yeah, the reason you put the money in is is to buy stuff with Starbucks as opposed whereas with Apple, it's you're buying stuff and you're getting cash back. It's a kind of a different model. It is the equivalent of it, it's not that different, but it is kind of the equivalent of the um you know, people on the, the space station having to recycle their pee into drinkable water. Uh-huh. <laughs> it doesn't introduce new water, but it, it, it slows down the, 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 the loss of water, right? Where you're right. They're, they're giving you some money on there and you're like, Oh, I guess I have enough to buy, you know, these Smurf berries or this new iPhone or whatever. And yeah. it just kind of brings yeah. it in and more and more. So they, they do lose a little bit, but their, their margins are so fantastic for their product that it is um, kind of an interesting play to do that. And I think keeping things in the network is is certainly pretty valuable if 
If only anecdotally, I have noticed that Square's Cash App suddenly appears at a whole bunch of different, um, in my case, predominantly coffee shops that I've gone to, where suddenly they're beyond just the, you know, uh, contactless payments, Apple Pay, Google Pay. There is a big old, I think it's green, green logo that says, you know, pay with Cash App, which, which is new to me. That's, that's a non-trivial thing to do, to do that sort of big push and get the system set up and everything. So it implies to me that's that... The, the Square Cash App? Square's Cash App. Yeah, it implies to me that oh, yeah. Square is trying to be like, hey, why don't you just keep all of this payment stuff, you know, the, the money that the time it sends Tim and Mark, uh, they can use it at their uh, their local coffee shops. And guess what? As long as they, they keep shuffling the same money back and forth, back and forth, back and forth... Um, we as as Square never actually pay any of the interchange to move it out because it's just on our ledger, right? So it's it's right, an interesting yeah. sort of play for people to do. So I I think this is you know some some combination of what we discussed here on this panel is probably what Apple's actually doing here. They're not they're not trying to become your bank per se. Even though I did make the statement that uh, that Starbucks is a bank that sells coffee, it's, it's more <laughs> of a more of a pithy statement to to you know shock the mind. Well, for those of you who skipped that section and have now joined us here in the uh, <laughs> in the the main part of the show, we're here to talk about the event that was not an event. So there was there was uh, yesterday, and we ex- we anticipated there'd be some sort of iPad event, as there usually is, uh, or some kind of announcement. Um, but there were three actual three products that got re- released. Or three, I mean, main products. There were some some um, accessories that came along with them. But uh, so the first thing that came out yesterday was the Apple TV 4K. I'm going to call it third generation because that's what it is. Yeah. So Apple TV third generation, uh, Apple TV 4K third generation or the third generation of the 4K. But it's actually the seventh generation of the Apple TV since the very first one back in the Steve Jobs day. Um, So this one came out yesterday uh, in an announcement. It's using the A15 Bionic chip, which is kind of an interesting move. The last, uh, the fourth generation was using an A12. So it's been, I guess, a couple of years since we've had an Apple TV 4K come out. Um, This one supports HDR10+, which I don't know what that is. Um, And uh, it comes with a couple of flavors. Yeah, the high dynamic range, but I don't know what the 10 stands for. Uh, It's it's one year better than the 9. Yeah, okay. Whatever that is. It's a plus, though, two marks. That's true. Okay, so it's an S year. Yeah. Yeah, it's an S year. Yeah, yeah, and so it comes in two flavors or two sizes, a 64 gig uh, with Wi-Fi only at $129 US. Interesting, uh, when I thought about this, I thought for a second that the 128 version comes with, for 149, comes with 128 gigabytes plus Wi-Fi and gigabit Ethernet. And I thought to myself, that's weird. I don't, I don't ever remember an, I, an Apple TV not coming with Ethernet. But anyway, so what sounded like new is actually something that's been on the Apple TVs for a while, the Ethernet port, that is. Uh, but this one has some sort of threaded network support, which kicks it up even another notch, right? So... Um, but they're talking about this one having a cinematic experience, more old, um, Dolby Atmos and things like that as well. So I think in concert with the no longer existing HomePods, uh, you're going to have a great cinematic experience with your television, right? So uh, I don't know if you guys have anything to say about the Apple TV or you even use one, what, what generation you guys have. I haven't used my Apple TV in a long time. Ever since the the Apple TV app got built into my cable box well i guess oh really yeah i guess that's a 
you know, the, I, I'm sort of old school in that I still use a cable box instead of streaming yeah, everything. Too. But but yeah, so the Apple TV app is now built into the cable box. Is so. it your Comcast cable box? Yeah, Xfinity. Yeah, Comcast. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh. So it's it's just you know it's it's a couple of extra clicks to turn on the Apple TV. <laughs> so I so mm-hmm. I never do it. <laughs> How about you, Jaime? What are you are you using Apple TV? I'm not. I am using a Roku. I forget which model. Um, they come out with ones every once in a while. And when mine got too old, I got whatever was not quite the latest and greatest. It was like in the same class, but one tier lower. Um, and it works perfectly fine. It's got uh, Apple AirPlay 2 support and stuff. Um, this isn't attractive to me at the moment, but you know, my Roku fell uh, into the river. I'm a bit, oh, maybe I should get this one. Then, right. It does, uh, does a lot of stuff. Um, the pricing is probably the, the best part in that this is a lot closer to the pricing of competitive boxes from uh, Amazon and Roku and et cetera. Whereas before, I think we'd said before, like, what, what's this Apple TV doing? It's like, it might as well be $3,000. It's so far away from the, you know, $50 to $100 price range that everybody else was going with. So $129, $149, it's close. You know, you, you always add the little Apple premium. So I think this is a, a good price for what you know is going to be a, a good quality product that isn't going to, you know, fade away tomorrow kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, it's really like a dumb iPhone, really. Um, I mean, the one thing advantage I have is I have the two old school, the old OG HomePods, and I have them paired as stereo speakers. And so my Apple TV plays through those. Mm. Just, I guess the yeah. only advantage mm-hmm. I have, right? I didn't, yeah, I didn't, I guess I... I guess I hadn't really clicked in. I know that, that Apple TV Plus was in some Samsung TVs, but I didn't know they were in cable boxes yet. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, that one's news to me because I was aware that they'd moved onto other devices and had a, they, they essentially opened things up a whole lot more. It wasn't, you know, ever since they added Apple TV Plus, it's not just locked into Apple devices. But, but that was actually news to me, Mark, that I didn't realize that cable boxes actually had this now. It's, it's been that way for some time, uh, probably at least a year. Oh, it's a smart move from Apple's yeah. point of view. I mean, mm-hmm. they, that's yeah. why they got iTunes on the Windows, right? That was what made the iPhone popular, possible, right? That's a good idea. Mm-hmm. So, Hami, how are you, are you consuming Apple TV Plus stuff by airplaying to your Roku box? I am currently not an Apple TV Plus subscriber, but when I was, uh, the the you know the freebie moocher with the year long subscription they gave us for free with uh, whatever whatever it was I bought. Um, I was using it on the Roku, and it was a little janky, but honestly, if you really are only interacting with it, you know, once, and then you're just binging five hours worth of content, like, what does it matter if it's not that great of, you know, of a UI on the Roku? I'm sure it's better on the actual Apple TV itself. I would expect Apple TV Plus to be at its best on its own device, but, you know, queuing up videos is queuing up videos. It's not really that hard of a problem from a a UI standpoint, right? It's really hard for somebody to completely fail at that task. Well, yeah, I was going to say the one, the one drawback of this one. So, so as you know, the Apple remote uh, TV remote got replaced last year with one with the, with a little click wheel on it, um, which is still just as janky as like my dog rolls over on the, on the couch and and mutes my TV or, you know, like it's, it's too easy to, to, change things and, and click the wrong icon and stuff like that. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's that better remote. I'm doing air quotes on the round. The better is, is uh, still coming with this version of the Apple TV 4k. So 
Sounds like you need an otter box for your remote, Tim, for your use case, because you have a sizable dog. So it would be asking a lot for him to be able to roll over a a remote without triggering something. Yeah, sometimes I not. Sometimes I touch the remote and like I'm watching. The thing about it is, is I have my Rogers cable box and I'm I'm watching cable TV or something like that. Like I'm watching a sporting event, which I do rarely, and uh, I'll accidentally touch the uh, the Apple TV remote remote which will wake the apple tv up which takes over my hdmi port switches over switches the tv display to the to the apple tv which is kind of annoying but yeah that happens sometimes i just give up and watch cable tv on the apple tv as well oh how do you watch cable yeah. on the apple tv oh i have a bell five i'm with bell so i get the they have a they all of the rogers and bell are both moved to like internet tv even though mm-hmm. they have a set top okay. box, mm-hmm. um, and it, like the set top box is just a PVR with it, with a, believe it or not, mechanical hard drive that still records your shows. Yeah, um, actually, I believe it's mechanical, but um, yeah, I mean that's that's the only reason. I mean, but but reality, the reality is, is like I'm, I'm moving more and more away from even watching I mean, PVR free shows, but I most lo- mostly watch things through Apple TV. And and if I miss a show, I can go over to the Bell app, or I can go to like the the channel app, like. FX has an app and all the other, you know, various networks I watch have an app and I can just go and catch up on a couple of episodes if I, if I missed PVRing them, right? Which happened this year because I was traveling in, in April, right? Or August, I guess. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah. Anyway, so yeah, I don't, I'm, I've, I've already got two 4K TV, TVs and there's one at my mom's house that she doesn't even use. So I'm not in the market to buy one of these right now. And I, I, I don't know. I don't know that uh, I get the difference here, right? So... Other than the fact it's got this new A15 chip, right? That's the only thing I can really sort of see that makes it stand out. And that said, let's move on to the other thing that was... The the, the non-announcement was, as Jaime's got here, it was actually a video that came out on YouTube. It was a press release, obviously, and then, you know, people were talking about it. But there's a really nice video where instead of having a sort of a keynote presentation, they had a couple of uh, people introduce the... One, one young lady introduced the... Uh, iPad, which is the 10th generation iPad, and although I think it's like the 17th model or something like that, and uh, and then the iPad Pro. But uh, so we'll div- dive into the app, app <laughs> the iPad first, and um, comes in four colors: pink, blue, yellow, and silver. Has a 10.9 Retina dis- liquid Retina display. They've moved the Touch ID button to the top button instead of the side. I think is where it is now. And this has a 14 Bionic chip, which is the same chip in the iPad phone 14 i believe right um and it's basically it's an incremental increase from previous ipads right and 20 percent cpu boost they say um the back camera is 12 megapixel i don't know can't remember if that was an upgrade from the previous ipad this one will shoot up 4k video they're saying i think that's new and the front camera which is interesting that they've moved the front camera to the long side of the box um mark so that the if you're yeah. looking at your iPad in landscape mode, the uh, camera's at the top where it should be, right? This is a game changer. This is this is the most important feature of this whole new device. Yeah. <laughs> no, I 100% agree. Like, yeah. I can't tell you the number of times I'm sitting in a meeting and, I, and if I just happen to join like a Zoom call on my on my iPad, it looks like you're looking off into space because right. you're not really, right. even though it's supposed to, it was supposed to magically adjust your, your face angle or whatever back in the day. But, um, but it has Wi-Fi 6. And I haven't kept up with my Wi-Fi standards. I didn't know there was a 6. Um, and also the, if you have a cellular model, it comes with 5G. And the cool thing that they've introduced here is they've got this new magic keyboard folio, right? You know, I don't know about you guys when you're, when you're traveling around and you're seeing people at a coffee shop with a, you know, a, a laptop de- device and they've got this little kickstand case 
I look at that and I immediately know that's a Microsoft Surface. <laughs> so now you're going to be you have to do a double take now to look for the app, the Surface logo or for the Apple logo because this guy with it's got it's a two part case. The back panel has a little kickstand so you can have it in the vertical mode. And the keyboard instead of connecting to the back like the one that Mark and I have now, the Magic Keyboard, um, it connects to the bottom like it does on a on a Surface, right? Um, kind of interesting uh full-size keys it has a row of function keys which i which i miss on my ipad uh, currently like i think that's the one thing missing for the magic keyboard um is that what we're calling it magic keyboard i forget what they call these things now and um yeah so that's kind of a new thing um of course comes with the new i guess this is just announced the ipad uh, os 16 is officially coming on these devices too which is something we've been waiting for since wwc right um, comes in two flavors, uh, 64 gig and 256 plus, you know, the cellular uh, kick up from there. So four, four, 449 starting at for the, the U.S. model. I didn't get the 256 price for the U.S., but in Canada, that's going to be 599 and 799 So I guess it's probably $200 difference on in the U.S. too or something like that, right? You guys have the price in, in hand? Don't have it in front of the store. No. Okay, we're going to look at it. So what do you guys think about this? I mean, like Mark said, game changer on the... Yeah, is this the first time the iPad has come in different colors? I, well, um, no, I mean, we've had, we've had like white and black ones. Well, before, yeah, 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 but I mean, gray. color colors, you know, reds yeah, and no, no, yellows I don't think, and I don't think we've ever had like a pink or a blue, no. Yeah, fun colors, because I think Yellow. there was kind of minis cool. yeah. that had uh, rose gold or something. Mm. Kind of it might have had rose gold, but I can't remember anything... No, I can't. I can't think. I know I've had a white iPad at one point in my life, but I, I generally go for the ones with the black bezels, right? And but the, um, and there isn't a space gray one this time. It's kind of strange. Well, this is the, the pro model, right? This is the the student model. Like they, the you kid, can work on your model, your yeah. big school project. They said, right? Yeah. You know, uh, hundred fifty dollar difference from four forty nine to five ninety nine. Okay. okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. that makes sense. Yeah, with the exchange rates and stuff. Yeah, for sure. Yep. Interesting looking iPad. Yeah, I mean, yeah. so here's here's the charging thing that, that I want to talk about. The one thing this has now is it has a USB-C. And I don't know if in the consumer level iPads, if this is the first USB-C iPad. But if you think about it, it come, it supports the iPad, pen, sorry, the Apple Pencil 1, right? Which charges with, you said it, lightning port. Hmm. So you have to have some sort of adapter between USB-C and lightning port to charge the Apple Pencil on this guy. That's weird. Do we even know of a lightning? T- I guess lightning to, yeah, because it's a USB on the back of the pencil. When I mean, you take the tip off, it's like a a, a male. You know, I'm going to call it a male plug, right? Because it's the the one that goes into the lightning port, right? Oh no, no, sorry. It can't used to come with an adapter that had that had a converter from left from male to like it had two females on the end, and you just popped it in. No, I apologize. We have no better way of describing the connection. The innie and the Audi, right? Wait. It- um, it can't have a male. No, no. The, the I just remembered now. I have an I have an Apple Pencil one here. It yeah. came with a little like a little like about an inch long tube. Yeah. That had uh the you know the eeny version of the lightning port, and you put that on the end of the pencil, and then you could plug a conventional light, lightning cable into it. Okay. Yeah. Right. So now we're going to have to have a lightning to USB cable to plug it into your iPad to mm. charge, right? Mm. Well, what what was on the other end, the back end of the of this little tube. It's two lightning ports. Like, it's like a hard to, well, it's basically, it's, it's two female ports on the end of this little plastic tube. It's, it's a tube with wiring in it, obviously, right? 
the so the the male part of the the the, the insertion part of the is there a better way to say male or female? Just say, just say male and female. Just, just, okay. just do all right. it. <laughs> Apologize to all the people out there, the PC people out there. But anyway, um, so the so the, the you took the tip off the off the Apple Pencil one, and you you exposed the um, the lightning port, which is the male, right? Oh, really? There's a the, there's a male connector coming off of the yeah. pencil. That's weird because that can't plug into anything directly. No, no, but you can because you used to be able to plug. You used to be able to plug your. You take. You would take your. Um, oh, you plug it, it into like your iPhone. You plugged it into your iPad to charge it. Oh, I see. So it kind of stuck see. out the I end, see, like see, like see, like, like you, people used to complain about the upside down mice when you plugged mm-hmm, them in. But mm-hmm. this was like I always felt weird charging my my Apple Pencil this way, right? Mm, yeah. But this little adapter let you use a conventional, you know, USB A to lightning cable to charge mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. with the adapter, right? Got it. Anyway, so so now you're gonna have to have a USB C cable to lightning, right? Yeah, that's USB C lightning. Yeah, yeah. and then do you know what I mean? Like it's gonna be kind of weird convention there, you know? Does the new iPad work with the Apple Pencil too? No. Okay. And Mm -hmm. and the new Magic Keyboard Folio only works with this model of iPad, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? Whereas the Magic Keyboard works with the uh, sixth generation, fifth generation, and fourth generation, Mm. right? fragmentation yeah there's some curious choices on on that i don't fully understand why we aren't moving everything to uh apple pencil 2 or second gen i forget what it's actually yeah well to charge it right magnetically charge it right yeah it would seem to make things easier especially because you've got the magic keyboard folio and i don't remember how that connects but if it's that same smart connector it seems like that would be able to to help as well yeah smart connector that's what i was trying to remember it's got the the circles on the back right this is still follow up from the pandemic because they would have been designing all these replacement things a year or two years ago mm-hmm. during the oh, height yeah. of the pandemic. Sure. Yeah, so we might be just having some leftover stuff that they that they put together Maybe. to yeah. just get things out the door. They uh, they've got some interesting choices in the the spoilers iPad Pro sixth gen that don't make a whole lot of sense when you put them together with this iPad tenth gen. A little bit yeah, of, but it's a pro model, Jaime. No, but it's like a little pro. head scratchy of like, well, why wouldn't you do that here too? What, what, what's, what's going on? And I think the, um, you know, that we've got these leftovers. Let's make a platypus kind of thing is what they've yeah. kind of got. Yeah. yeah, it's you're right. It's an odd duck from the from the point of view of like the pencil it supports and and you know charging and this new keyboard and what does the future look like, right? And how many of these are going to end up in somebody's sock drawer? You know desk drawer kind of thing it's like remember the ipad 3 do you remember that one that was the first retina i do i had one yeah Yeah. i mean like who who who, like you know it was it was thicker than the other one so you had to buy a different case yeah and they came out with the iphone the ipad 4 like two months later really really Uh, yeah right on the heels of it yeah Yeah. exactly Mm -hmm. yeah yep i can't remember did the iphone 4 have a 32 pin connector iphone 4 Because the iPad, the iPad three had a thirty-two pin connector. I yeah, for sure. Yeah. Job. I don't the remember. Four S did have the thirty pin because I think when I switched to an iPhone five to get um, LTE, I uh, I think I got an adapter for my thirty pin connector so we could use Lightning. So I think that's when that transition happened. Hmm. Right. Yeah, I think I had one of those too, actually, sitting in a drawer somewhere. Yeah. So uh, the other the other thing they announced, which we can kind of talk about, I was actually I actually happily wrote down all the specifications, and we can go through them. 
but there's a there's a letdown at the end. So should I go through them? What do you think? For which one? The iPad Pro? The iPad Pro, sixth generation iPad Pro. We're at the sixth generation already. Can you believe it? Mm. So iPad Pro coming out with this this new model has the M2 chip, right? As opposed to the last year's model had the M1. Uh, according to the, the stats, so they didn't mention out loud, but they only showed it in the video, 15% faster CPU, 35% faster GPU. These are, sorry, these are up to 35%. 50% more memory bandwidth. We'll come back to that one, Mark, later. And 40% neural engine performance. Um, this one uh, comes in as up to uh, 2 terabytes of storage. Comes with either 8 gigabytes or 16 gigabytes of usable RAM. Uh, depends on the configuration you buy. And um, yeah, like if you buy the 128 model, the 256 model, and the 512 gigabyte model only use 8 gigs of RAM. But if you want to use 16 gigs of RAM, you need a 1 terabyte version or a 2 terabyte uh, storage version. Um, same sizes at 12.9 inch and 11 inch. So works with all of your, like if you had a magic key, magic keyboard from a couple of years, a couple of generations ago, you'll still be able to use this one. You'll still be able to use your Apple pencil two with it. Um, all the specs for, for what these things have, except for one spec that's kind of different here, I think, right. Is the resolution of the 12.9 is still 2732 by 2048. T3-wide color gamut, uh, true tone for viewing, ProMotion, refresh rate, uh, anti-reflecting coating, 16,000 nits of brightness in HDR mode, and up to 1 million to 1 contrast ratio with the HDR. But they're also saying it's mini-LED. If this is the first time we've seen mini-LED in an iOS uh, device, you guys recall? We've been talking about it for a while, but yeah, I don't. The, I think the last I don't remember Gen Twelve inch have any LED. I don't think any of them had it before. I feel like we've been talking about it. It's coming. It's coming um, to yeah. a device, but I don't. I could be wrong, but I don't think off the top of my head that I remember any devices that have had it. Well, maybe I'll go to the Internet Archive in a few minutes and check it out. But and then the eleven, the eleven is is slightly lower. Doesn't come with HDR um, display. So same sort of features, P3, P3 color, True Tone, ProMotion, anti-reflective coating, and up to 600 nits of uh, maximum brightness. Um, the camera on this one will also capture ProRes video. Uh, comes with a 5 gig model, and this is new, the, uh, the Wi-Fi 6E spec. Even, even more, it's an E year this, for this spec, Mark. One cool thing that it has is this new feature called Apple Pencil Hover, where the sensors in the display will detect um, the electromagnetic signal coming from the pencil. So when you're within 12 millimeters away, or I think 12 millimeters is about a quarter of an inch, I think, for you American folks, um, <laughs> as you move closer to the 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 wait, you know, the no, cursor, wait, or whatever wait, it is, quarter, quarter of an inch. It's that's 1.2 centimeters, right? That's that's like a half an inch, more than half. Uh, an inch, no, is it 1.2? Yeah. Oh, half an inch. Yes, yeah, you're right, right. Yeah, um, about half an inch. Yeah, because I always think of two centimeters roughly as an inch. But um, the uh, um, as soon as you move the pencil close to the screen, the cursor starts to appear. So you and you can adjust the size of it. So that's from a as an artist or some, somebody drawing on it or using it to uh, for effects and whatever. You can you can have you can interact with the pencil before it actually touches the front of the iPad, which is kind of cool. Plus, you also have the pressure sensitive nature as well. Uh, this iPad also comes with iPad iPad OS 16, which we talked about before, but of course, this is the new feature we've all been talking about and waiting for: Stage Manager. Um, 
This version of the iPad, uh, the 12.9 inch, also has USB-C Thunderbolt 4, um, and that will let you plug in extra monitors or, um, and actually that's where they say the, the, the um, stage manager pays off is when you plug in an, an external monitor. Hmm. Um, but so it, it will drive that. You can also plug in hard drives and storage devices. Um, and some of the new apps that you talked about coming, which I just checked the app store, they're not there. There's a new DaVinci, um, Resolve is an app for, um, I believe editing photos, uh, Octane X for doing, um, for doing, um, uh, video editing and affinity publisher which is a like a cork express in design kind of program for doing desktop publishing which i thought was available on ipad but i just realized it's not out yet so i have it on my mac but i don't have it on my on my ipads so that's kind of an interesting uh thing the affinity soft is competes with adobe software in terms of feature sets right um but you don't you don't pay by month you pay one time for them Pricing on these is $799 starting point for the 11-inch Liquid Retina display and then $1,099 for the 12.9-inch Liquid Retina XDR display. So what's interesting about this is when I looked at all these stats, and I've got another link here comparing the iPad Pro 4th generation, 5th generation, and 6th generation. When I looked at these, this page, I realized that nothing is... There's, sorry, there's only a handful of things that are new. Most of what I just talked about is not new stuff. This is the same as what was in the uh, fifth generation iPad Pro, except for the M2 chip, from what I can figure, and uh, the camera shooting ProRes, this new Apple Pencil Hover, and Stage Manager. Well, but that's a that's software thing. Work on both. Yeah. Does it have the camera anyway, on right? the long edge as well? Did you notice? You know what? I, I don't know. Didn't. But yeah, I think I that was one of the things so they that didn't. they didn't do. So they that was one of those yeah. head scratchers where I think yeah. the pros didn't yeah. move. I'm not sure if it's true of both pros, but I think they didn't move the camera to the the side, which maybe speaks to who they expect to be using these. But it still seems like a pretty. But we're still on Zoom calls. Yeah, it still seems like a pretty sensible thing. Like, what Mm. are you expecting the pros to have some other thing that they're going to be streaming from for their video calls? Well, by, by the same token, though, that's the surface. That's the area where the charger for the pencil is, right? So maybe there was maybe there's an, a, a limit to where they could put it because yeah, of the, the mechanism for the charger, right? Mm, could be, yeah. So and of course, Face ID. So so it yeah, it may just be that they really only refreshed the model of the regular iPod. The i the the Pro is the same thing, but they just added in a couple of little like incremental, you know, incremental iterative bumps just to modernize it a little bit. Um, so so we may not even. You may not even think of the pro as a new model. It's just it's just the same pro. It's a, just it's a bump, yeah, with the bump, yeah. the the um, The interesting one is the is the the hover stuff because you would think that would require some new hardware, unless the hardware was always there and it just wasn't wasn't working well enough. So they you know they turned it off or feature flagged it in previous versions. Hmm. Possible. They, could they turn it on online then? <laughs> Well, I think it's on well, in terms of signals coming out of the pencil, but the receiving end oh, yeah. is new in this iPad is how I interpret it. Right. So no new no new Apple Pencil 3 is sort of the, the, the short of that. The tip off? Hmm. Let me, I'm just going to try and see if I can find a... So where are you guys in terms of your, your iPad Pro, iPad purchasing currently? Like, what? Mark, you have an iPad Pro, but you have like previous generation, right? Yeah. Uh, I have I have a 11 inch that's a little bit old. I have a 13 inch that's 
actually maybe a year and a half old now. So I'm not in the market for a new iPad right now. I just don't have the need for it right now. What I've got works fine. How about you, Jaime? Mine is, I believe, a 2017 era 10.5 inch iPad Pro. And uh, it feels like it's giving up the ghost. So coming into this, I was pretty much intending to just let them have my money. I don't know that they'll have it on day one. I might just sort of wait till people start getting these and see if there's any, oh, it, uh, you know, it accidentally caused this problem that was terrible and nobody knew. Um, but I'll probably get one before the end of the year is what I think. In what way is your current one going bad? Is it the screen or is it the touch sensitivity? Or It, it actually seems to be the, the Wi-Fi connectivity. It, it is by far the oh. flakiest device out of all my devices that I have, which... Kind of makes me think that it's not my Wi-Fi router, or or if it is, it's you know mildly incompatible with my iPad because my phone stays connected to Wi-Fi, my uh, my work and personal laptops stay connected. Every smart device that we have stays connected. TV stay connected. Literally, the only thing that seems to just randomly stop working uh, and I have to turn off the the Wi-Fi and turn it on again on the iPad is the iPad itself. Hmm. It's it's really weird. So. I was like, oh, you know, if it wasn't for that, I'd probably still be, you know, saying, ah, you know, I don't really need a new one. I mostly use it a consumption device. I'll probably end up getting a pro, probably the uh, 11 inch is the 12.9 is a little, a little too big for the way that I use it. I am disappointed that it's not mini LED, but whatever, I'm not watching a ton of content on the device itself. It's mostly a, a browsing kind of device for me. Kick back on the couch. So you're a 12 inch or 11 inch? I would go to the 11 because that seems to be the closest to the 10. Point. I have a 10.5 right now. Oh, yeah, the, the odd one. Yeah. So the, the 12.9 is a little too big for, like, I don't, I don't need that amount of space, and it's actually not conducive to my kickback on the couch attitude towards the iPad. Yeah, we have the same one. Carol uses the, uh, the same 10.9 one that you have. Interesting. We don't have the Wi-Fi problems that you're having, though, which is odd. By the way, the mini LED is new on this device. Mm. That's the other new thing. Mm. Um, Confirmed by, confirmed by the Verge article that, that uh, listed on Wikipedia. But um, yeah, so just a handful of new things like M2, like going from M2 to M1. I mean, I was uh, w- looking at some comments on one of the Slack channels I'm on today, and they were saying that, you know, the, the M1 is way too much power for an iPad as it is, right? So unless you're doing like heavy lifting up with audio or video editing and that kind of stuff, right? We don't, I mean, I, I can hear my friends screaming right now. We don't have Logic Pro. We don't have final cut pro on the ipad yet so that so the other tools coming in to do tools like or services like that um like the uh, video editing app i mentioned earlier or what's called octane x um that would be something that people would look at for using an ipad i'm still amazed we don't have a dual boot ipad with ipad os and mac os or multi yet. multi-user support right like, it's funny, in the, you know the classroom kit that they came up with, like, three, four years ago? 2019, right? Or earlier, I think. That has, you know, if you if you go into a classroom setting and you have, like, a, a cart of, of iPads, you know, the kids pick up the iPad, they log in with the Apple ID that they're assigned by the school, mm. and their iPad responds, at, you know, with all their stuff, because it's all stored on a, you know, centralized, you know, in the classroom server kind of thing, right? But each kid can log in individually into the into a single iPad, right, and get a different experience. I don't know why we don't have multi-user support to this day, right? Yeah, that's an odd odd omission. But we have Stage Manager. Just buy more iPads, Tim. Like that seems like the Apple solution to the problem. 
buy more iPads? You got more users, buy more iPads. Feels like a, a, a win yeah. for them on that. Uh, the only multi-user yeah. they seem to have is through the the classroom stuff, right? Yeah. But it's an interesting thing. I'm, I'm, you know, I thought about it for a minute, and and then I, when I went and, when I found that stumbled across that page, which is published by Apple, actually, the comparison page, right, with the the fourth and the fourth and fifth generation are not available for sale anymore unless you go to like Amazon or Best Buy or whatever and pick up old stock. I'm doing old stock because it was not old until yesterday. Um, but uh, you know, there's no real difference, significant difference, unless the you know the hover thing mini led those are pretty much the only you know sort of standout things in my mind and the m2 chip obviously but the m2 m2 to m1 is i mean is it that big of a deal really you know what do you guys think like i think most people won't notice the difference yeah unless you're doing high power like video editing and we're getting back to that same conflated which ipad do i buy question that you're going to get from all your friends and family when they go to the apple store because let's look at it now we have one two three four there's at least five, or I think five available versions of iPad now, because there's iPad. There's two iPad Pros. There's an iPad Air still. They're, they're what they're calling iPad, and there looks like there's two models of iPad because I think there was the low end iPad as well, right? And then they have the iPad Mini, the sixth generation, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So we have still the ninth generation iPad and the new tenth and tenth generation. The only difference is in color, and it's got the same squared edges like the um, the Pros have had for the last few years, right? Um, so in, yeah, this is American dollars, the, the iPad, the low, the original iPad, the, the iPad, most affordable iPad, they're calling it, uh, is at 329. That's a 10.2 inch, right? Um, oh, it, it, did I mention, yeah, I did mention that the iPad has a, a 14 Bionic, not M1, right? It begs the question of what makes something, uh, what makes something a pro, right? I guess the amount of storage, the amount of RAM, and the fact that it's M, uh, the M2 chip, right? Although all of these are Apple Silicon, right? That even the A ones and going yeah. forward, right? Yeah, it's only Macs that recently changed to Apple Silicon, right? Everything else always had Apple Silicon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. even if it wasn't, a, you know, well, I guess it was always designed. No, the, I get the early chips. I guess were not designed by Apple until they bought PA Semi. Mm, right. Although I forget when that happened. Maybe the first iPhone chip did. I don't remember. I don't know. But they've always been the ARM chips. They were never the. They were never Intel chips. Right. So what makes what makes um, iPad OS quite different than iOS? I guess the stage manager is one thing, right? Yeah, all the multitasking stuff that just doesn't exist at all on the right on the uh, iPhone, and the pencil support doesn't exist on the iPhone and the Mac. Yeah, yeah. It's a tough question, Tim, because as technology has sort of, from a device standpoint, rapidly outpaced. You know, what would have been the, oh my gosh, remember the era of like this year's Intel chip is twice as fast as last year's. Like you're just yeah. not seeing that sort of gain and you're not seeing the the productivity gains come out of the tech, you know, on device itself. A lot more stuff is, is out in the cloud. So it, connectivity is uh, a lot more important. So what makes a true pro device? Mm, kind of in the eye of the beholder, right? Some of these choices feel a little arbitrary like you probably could just have this incredible ipad that's uh you know just as good for students as it is for um you know professionals trying to do high-end stuff but if you want to have market segmentation you have to and price uh differentiation or discrimination is the other word people use um you know you got to make some differences here don't necessarily fault them for that um but it 
It isn't a, oh, well, uh, this device is physically larger to handle a, a, a diesel-powered gas engine, right? A diesel engine kind of thing to, to get you uh, processing the latest Photoshop stuff or the latest 3D models. It's, um, it's good that we've got all of this, uh, this computation just you know, at our fingertips and we need it. Yeah, I think the thing that's most obvious is Face ID versus Touch ID. The pro between the pro and the regular. So I'm looking at the iPad 10th generation versus the iPad 11 4th generation, the latest of the iPad and the iPad Pro. And the differences are, okay, a slightly larger screen on the Pro, M2 versus the Bionic. Uh, the They both have 12, 12 megapixel wide, but the Pro also has the 10 megapixel ultra, ultra wide camera. Yeah, on the front as well, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the Pro has the USB-C with Thunderbolt. The regular does not. Uh, Face ID versus Touch ID, storage up to two terabytes versus up to two fifty six gigs. Apple Pencil second generation versus Apple Pencil first generation, and the Smart Keyboard Folio for the Pro. Right, that's it. Yeah, there's not a well. And then for the iPad OS, I was looking at comparisons. There's a new. I think they, they talk about this at WWC. There's a new app called Freeform coming up, which is not limited to what you see on the screen. You can actually. It's like having a big giant piece of paper, and you can all around you can collaborate on it and there's, there's a whole lot of desktop um class app they're calling coming out right um let's see what they've got listed here doesn't really say yeah but are but, those yeah. not available on the non-pro no i mean i was asking what the difference was ipad os and ios was right that was my well ipad os and ios oh we're having two parallel conversations there. yeah i know we're having two parallel conversations I'm bringing yeah it back ipad os versus ios is yeah it's it's the um as i was saying the the multitasking and the pencil um it's kind of kind of it i mean just the, you know different visual components for some things yeah well different different screen real estate i guess yeah like you know action sheets versus popover kind of stuff yeah so we're not buyers here right None of i'm probably gonna buy <laughs> a 11 inch pro but that's because i'm rocking a 2017 model that seems to be you know uh, on its way to live at a farm upstate so to speak. Mm-hmm. So yeah, too bad Poyo couldn't use an iPad, right? <laughs> uh, oh, I, the Pro also has four speaker audio versus two speaker for the oh, regular. Oh right, yeah, yeah. Mm, okay, okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, that makes a difference right there. Or would you buy like the fifth generation, or would you go to this generation, Jaime? Oh, I'd probably buy the current and um, this current new generation, and uh, just hang on. So it's twenty seventeen, five years. So see you in. 2027 and see see if i'm looking to buy a new <laughs> ipad at that point is probably what i would expect like a lot of also people lidar are lidar on the pro and not on the regular yeah no. yeah hmm. so if you're if you're anybody remember lidar yeah yeah <laughs> was that the song by led zeppelin does anybody remember lidar um, yeah i don't think it was that song <laughs> yeah anyway well, let's move on to our picks. So I have an interesting pick here. I don't know if you guys, this is a Mac OS thing, but again, it's more than just code, folks, right? But um, if you've been playing around on Mac OS, which I think most of us have, you probably run into the defaults commands that are there for setting up different um, configurations and stuff like that. This is a, a page put together by, I forget who put it together. But it is uh, just about every defaults command you could ever want to know about uh, to make changes to your Mac that are beyond, you know, the standard settings, right? Um, this deployed by Net- Netlify. So 
thanks to the folks at Netlify, but you know, you got things like you can change the position of your docs, you can turn on auto hiding, some things you can do through your settings, but like, for instance, like screenshots, you can disable the shadows, you can include a date, you can display a thumbnail, Safari, you can have it show full URLs when you're typing things out, uh, lots of things you can do in the finder, I can't think of any, uh, you know, uh, showing things on desktop uh, automatically all the time kind of thing. Um, so yeah, lots of things like feed, feedback assistant, auto gather information, time machine. Don't offer new disks for time machine backup. Oh, that's an interesting one. Hmm. You know, and you plug in a USB cable, uh, port, uh, drive to your your Mac. It asks if you want to use it for that for um, time machine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so lots of different settings that you can use here. So this sort of gives you the the TLDR on the default commands you might want to um, use in your life. So have, have nice. a look at it. Show build durations in Xcode. That was the one that I used yeah. since mm. Catalina, uh, apparently. Uh, but that was one that uh, is pretty nice, especially. Yeah, I thought that I thought that kept turning itself off. Though is that does that maybe it was different versions of upgrades or whatever? You got it set up so that it auto always shows the build times. Uh, if it goes away, you can just bookmark this page, Tim, and and come back to it. <laughs> <laughs> like, please don't do that. Good thing I listened to this Put podcast. Put my build durations back, please. Anyway. You know, yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know what's what's weird is like keeps happening to me. And maybe, maybe there's a default command for this, but I keep I like to have you know in my sidebar in the Finder, I like to have my documents directory, my downloads directory, and my desktop. Right? I know I can do from the Finder. I can do Command Shift D. So don't at me because Command Shift D if you want to get to the desktop. Command Shift A if you want to get to applications. Command Shift U if you want to get to utilities. And I think Command Shift H will take you to your home directory. But I like to have it in the sidebar so I can drag things over to, you know, yeah, that folder. I do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, my Macs keep, like, I don't know if it's my M1 Mac or not. I should check it. But I come back to it a couple of days later or after a reboot, and the desktop's gone. All the other folders that are downloads and my development folder, you know, the Spotcast folder and my, you know, more than just code folder are, are all there in the sidebar. My Dropbox folder, my iCloud folder, obviously, right? But this one desktop folder, for some reason, keeps disappearing from my sidebar. I just under, don't understand. It makes me crazy. But like I said, Command Shift D, and I get back to my desktop. It's just annoying. Mm. It doesn't happen to you guys. No, nope. you haven't seen that. Haven't seen Mind that. you, it could be Ventura. It could be a bug in Ventura. Mm. Uh, think about it. Mm-hmm. Right. That's the one thing. I'm running Ventura on that Mac. Do we have any idea when? So now that iPad OS 16 coming out, when is Ventura coming out? I don't know Nobody if it's been knows. stated yet, but usually pretty close stay. to the mm. iPad um, for iPadOS. Yeah. So yeah. I kind of expected it in October, just like uh, iPadOS. Oh, yeah. Could happen anytime. We could be doing another podcast tomorrow. Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> stay tuned, folks. Stay tuned. Stay by your Sit by your podcast machine and we'll, we'll be right back. Anyway, that's my picks. And Jaime's got a couple of picks here. So let's uh, dig into those. First one here is an article by Nick Babich talking about uh, Apple's Aqua, that uh, Mac OS X user interface, because that was the the proper name back then. Mm -hmm. Um, This is an audio-only medium, so you'll have to pull off from the side of the road and and click the link in the show notes for those of you driving at home. Um, I really found it kind of interesting to see what this looked like. Like I recognized it uh, quite a bit. I recognized this era. and. You know, it, uh, it's got some charm to it, and I feel like it still looks pretty good. Like, you can tell it's a bit dated if you, if you lived through the, the era, but I bet if you found people who had never seen it before and showed them blind sort of t- uh, taste tests, so to speak, they'd be like, oh. Especially those, 
Internet Explorer and Sherlock icons there in the dock, very prominently. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> QuickTime player. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, this was a skeuomorphic design error thing, right? right? Like right. we got rid of all the skeuomorphic stuff and went flat, right? But uh, yeah, I used, I used to really like the stuff. I used to do all the stuff in Photoshop, and um, I, I remember designing a, a brochure before this came out. Or I think I was, I want to say System Eight also had a really interesting looking um, look to it. Like there was, I don't know if you remember Copeland, Mark, and, yeah. and what was the yeah. other one? BOS. BOS. Yeah, uh, that was supposed to be the OS Ten before they bought Nexta. Right. Yeah, I think yeah. I think Copeland was right, and and because it had a sort of interesting look and feel to it compared to the old, you know. Your previous versions of Finder and stuff. But did you ever work on this this style of OS, Jaime? Or is this before your time? I'm trying to think if I'm remembering the correct time. I think this was something... So I would have been at home a personal Windows user during this time, so I hadn't switched over to the Mac. But I want to say, like, school, this is school computers or something. This is, you know, computer labs is what's coming to mind for seeing the iMacs and seeing this... Um, you know, the lickable aqua interface, you know. Yeah, this is, this would be, um, I think 2000. So you, I think you came, you said iPhone 4 or iPhone 4 was in your first joined, right? 4S, which would have been in 2011. 4S. Yeah. I think that was probably around Tiger or maybe even yeah, something like that. Yeah. So this is in 2000. It would have been college, not high school. Sorry, just another observation. The internet connect icon that they're showing has a phone handset. Yeah. As part of the yeah. icon, and not a cell phone, a wired phone. There's an actual wire coming out of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the quick time Those the days. Quick time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But didn't Sher- Sherlock got Sherlock, right? Or was it Sherlock? Sherlock, Sherlock became uh, Spotlight, I think, didn't it? Sherlock yeah. was the Sherlocking. Oh, you can see if you scroll down in, the, in this article here, I mean, there's a um, Mac OS 8. It was actually called System 8, I think. No, it was called Mac OS. It was the first Mac OS, right? 8, 8.0? It was, def- there was System 7, for sure. Yeah, System 7, that was around for a long time. I started on System 6, and then I think System 7 was around for like a good long time. Mm -hmm. I don't have the slightest clue which macOS system version it would have been, but I've definitely used something that looks kind of like this, you know, the HyperCard era, and um, again, um, Computer Labs. It was pretty big in the the educational space to have Macs. Mm -hmm. That's where I would have seen some of this stuff. But it is... It is appealing both in a retro way and, you know, I, I feel like there's a little bit of coming back to the center slightly away from the completely flat paradigm that iOS 7 started. Um, yeah. It's not fully skeuomorphic, but, um, you know, people are moving back towards like, hey, you know what? I can look at these old screens and know exactly where stuff is clickable. There is no question in my mind yeah. <laughs> where I can, you know, scroll up and down on this page. Uh, how do I move this panel around? There's not a lot of clicking and guessing. There's some weird uh, flourishes that made sense at the time, but aren't truly necessary in the modern era, like the genie effect, which I love. It's great. It does its job in a, in a very flashy sort of way. Did you know if you held the shift key down when you did the genie effect, it would do it in slow motion? I did not know that. There you go. Pro tip. Ah, see? We should all also warn people, just as a PSA, if you scroll through this document, there is a screenshot from Windows 98. I just want to warn you. Well, I almost threw it in my, in my mouth when I saw it. But. Yeah, I don't want to trigger <laughs> anyone. <laughs> Good old uh, Windows Explorer that uh, used to open up new windows for like every folder that you were looking at, which isn't entirely 
unreasonable, but if you had something that was way deep, deeply nested, you were closing a lot of windows to, to get that out of your way. Cool. Thanks for, thanks for the trip down memory lane there, Jaime. What else you got for us? Well, speaking of memory lane, it's a, a, a pick so nice. We've picked it at least twice, possibly thrice. We'll have to fact check that one at some future date. But we were talking before the show about um, iOS architectures and, you know, you know, good old MVC and you know MVVM and MVI and Viper and uh, clean architecture. And it brought to mind iOS architecture dot top dot top for the domain name. And uh, it's an iOS architecture generator from uh, Guillaume Rambo. We were having fun generating some. I uh, generated uh, Spire, S-P-I-R, Store Presenter Interactor Router, which absolutely feels pretty close to real. I feel like I could just make up a conference talk today about how that would be useful as a, as a design, as an architecture. But it's a fun one to just generate and uh, yeah. you know, have... Uh, you know, beverage time arguments and, and debates with people about, you know, is that better than uh, MHERV, Model Helper Entity Router View Model? Do you like that one? I like uh, View Model Model Helper myself, actually, or Singleton Controller pre- Presenter. <laughs> yeah. View Model Functional Store Interactor View. <laughs> <laughs> I have now, interactional functional we, helpers. We should warn everyone, it's not actually generated in the architectures, just the names. <laughs> yeah, here's model entity controller. How about that one? Yeah. Ooh. There's well there was a there was a <laughs> entity signal to the presenter and model. So you have both entities and models. That's useful. <laughs> there was a, a I think it was a um Palm Pilot app called the uh, the BS generator. And it basically was like, you know, when you get these marketing terms and you string them all together. Um, it basically would do the same thing. It would, you know, you click on it and it would give you like a phrase you could say in a meeting and people would think you're using, you know, like a $10 word kind of thing, right? Same sort of idea. BSOmatic, it was called. BSOmatic. I think if you Google that, you'll probably find something very similar. You ever seen the BSOmatic? I don't know if I have. I just got presenter entity interactor view, which is basically Viper if you only have one screen. P-E-I-V. There's no router. Monetizing next generation channels in contrast to orchestrating real time action items in connection with automating virtual mind share seamlessly generating twenty four three sixty five system and the buttons or the buttons were fresh BS to get a fresh new one or pilot on to keep adding on but that's very similar to this this tool I mean that one sounds so realistic that I have to start yeah. wondering whether the whether the <laughs> machine learning model has actually started spitting out things that it saw before <laughs> that are a little a little too close to things that people have actually said. Yeah, that actually sounds yeah. sort of like a conference talk title. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Definitely. Definitely. I guess that's it for another week. So hey Jaime, if people want to get in touch with you, where would they find you? I'm on Twitter is at Dev of the Hair. And Mark, if people want to get in touch with you by you know, carrier pigeon or yeah, carrier telephone pigeon lines. Marks. Mark R at smapsoft.com. My name is Timitra, T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A. On the Twitter machine is where you'll find me. And so until next time, we'll say bye-bye. Bye. Bye. This has been another episode of the More Than Just Code podcast. 
If you want to find out more about the show, you can visit the More Than Just Code website at mtjc.fireside.fm. There you can find a summary and show notes of each episode. We list links to the apps, code, and news that we mentioned on the show. If you like the podcast, tell your friends, leave a comment on the website, or write a review on iTunes. And please recommend us in your favorite podcatcher. All of these things help others find out about the show. We really appreciate your help with spreading the word. We're also on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We'd love to hear from you, so use the hashtag AskMTJC and we may mention you on the show. Friends of the show can also join us on the podcast Slack channel. Once again, the podcast Twitter account is at MTJC underscore podcast. Please consider supporting the show by pledging any amount on Patreon.com slash MTJC. Every dollar pledged helps a lot. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. So are you guys going to stop using Twitter if Elon Musk buys it? Uh, probably not. <laughs> Maybe not immediately. Uh, I, buy the, uh, I do think he will, you know, you'll find some combination of the features will absolutely be better. Um, I think Twitter has terrible, terrible product management and terrible. he can actually get them to deliver terrible. stuff. The network itself will probably get dramatically worse just given his personal choices. Yeah. Now with more evil. Yeah, exactly. But, but the features are way better. Like, oh man, right. <laughs> did like yeah. ten years of features in one year. So, is he going to buy it? Like, has he been, his his hand has been forced, or what's what's the story? It's getting close, pretty much. Yeah, it's getting close. Really, legally, well, legally so, bound to do so, almost. Yeah, but now he's oh. saying he wants to buy it again. Yeah, I heard that. So he'll drop that. the lawsuit and he'll buy it. Wow. Do you think he'll shut it down? No, no, I think it's too no, much no, of an no. open no. megaphone for him to, to tweet from the toilet, <laughs> <laughs> whatever thought he has in mind. Yeah. Well, wouldn't, wasn't he going to buy it because he felt that it was like cutting up free speech or something like that? Or Well, he didn't like the fact that they kicked off some high profile people. Mm-hmm. So he's going to let them, he's going to let them all get back on. It's going to be a free for all again. Really? Yep. Mm. Yep. Good to be king. Good to be king. I still, I still find, you know, I, I don't know, I pop into Facebook and LinkedIn and Twitter just to see what's going on, really, you know? What do you, what do you use it for, honey? Uh, it being Twitter? Oh, social networks. Oh, social, uh, it's evolved a bit. I'm more involved in, uh, in LinkedIn, of all things, uh, kind of more semi-professionally. So dealing with the day job kind of lends itself pretty nicely to the kinds of things that I would like to talk about uh, related to fintech. Twitter tends to be a lot more um, more casual. Facebook, even even more so, and I would call it almost read-only mode from my standpoint, where I rarely post stuff on Facebook. Largely, uh, keeping up with what's going on with friends and family. You know, who's uh, who's gotten married, who's had kids, uh, who's graduated. You know, that sort of thing that it's useful for. Yeah. Well, it's an old person's tool for sure. Like I use it to keep track of, you know, keep in touch with family and, you know, far flung relatives, you know, in different parts of the world and stuff like that. So Yeah. Yeah. And I, um, I keep up with TikTok in the form of reposted onto YouTube shorts. So that's, <laughs> that tells you where I'm at. So let, let me ask you something. Let me ask you something. So what YouTube shorts automatically get over to TikTok or you have to, you put them on YouTube first. I think people have to do it themselves. They sort of cross-promote 
there. So my one big complaint about TikTok, maybe I've got it set up wrong, but I thought they had fixed this, but every time I open TikTok, it's always at full blast. Oh, right? um, I would, I would, this is one of those things where every, so um, Instagram's reels do that too. Or I'm like, no, I would like this audio off. Please don't, don't blast my ears. I, uh, I listen to podcasts from my phone and uh, I sometimes have to have them kind of loud because I'm, you know, doing laundry or uh, washing dishes or something. So to go over to Instagram and be like, hey, here's this crazy. I'm like, oh, OK, I just wanted to see the video. I didn't want to hear the video. And you you know this because I explicitly set the audio to off. So you forgetting is either an explicit product management choice, in which case, shame on you. Or a, uh, this is why you can't be software engineers, bad programming choice, which again, shame on you. <laughs> so I'm not sure which one it is, but uh, there is definitely a quote unquote problem with social media apps, forgetting quality of life things like audio choices. Yeah, for sure. Like, a, like I, I find it like annoying, like you said, if I'm listening to a podcast or something and I just tap on the Facebook, you know, icon and. God forbid a video is like the first thing in the feed and it just shuts down the podcast, right? I find that annoying. Yeah, people, this is one of those areas where Apple would do a whole lot to make the audio APIs a whole lot easier to understand and if they could be more vicious on enforcing proper usage. So there are some apps that are really good, like um, Google Maps and Overcast are really good at um, elegantly ducking the audio when one is playing versus the other, right? Contextually, I'm like, I'm listening to this podcast while I'm driving my car. Okay, cool. Oh, I guess I should turn right here. Thank you, audio, for you know ducking down, pausing, and then letting Google Maps take over, and then going back to the other app. But what really drives me nuts is if I open up a, uh, a banking app and my podcast stops playing, <laughs> or if I open up a um, uh, you know home. Uh, home networking devices, internet of things kind of app, you know, smart devices thing. I'm like, oh, I don't even have an audio connected device um, for this app. Why Why did my podcast stop playing, right? Yeah. This is a shame on you kind of thing. Of like, this is bad programming. What are you doing? Yeah, I have a similar annoying thing. The the Bluetooth connection to, from my phone to my car, which normally if I just get in the car and, you know, and turn on the car, uh, the music from my phone just, starts playing through the through the car stereo which is what i want to have happen but if at some point in between driving my car i open any one of various apps like shazam is one i happen to know does this if i just open it then next time in the car there's no memory of my uh bluetooth connection to the phone anymore i have to re reestablish oh, really? it yeah it's yeah. really annoying mm-hmm. really annoying yeah, I wondered about that because Carol and I both, we, you know, obviously share the car from time to time and, and we have both of our phones set up to do Bluetooth and it, for some reason it won't remember mine, but it'll remember hers, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Good, good point. I hadn't really thought about that. Hmm. Yeah. Also, anytime I update my, my OS on, or my iOS, it also loses the memory oh, right. of it. Yeah, that too. Yeah. yeah. Stupid. That's what kills me about like, um, whenever an, an when an app doesn't update, this is, you follow me on Twitter, you'll see this as pet peeve. It comes up quite often. I don't understand how app developers can't figure out how to persist your credentials between their app updates. Hmm. You know, like the app updates and I go to open it up and it's like, log in again. I'm like, 
Like, really? Yeah. Why don't you use, why aren't you using Keychain? Right? Exactly. Developer or, or one password or something, or, or yeah. yeah, use the Keychain to remember that stuff, yeah. right? Exactly. Yeah. Just even remember my, the email address or the user account I used would be, would be helpful, right? Yeah. Very annoying. I don't know. Yeah, Tim, that exact anti-pattern um, has forced me in the kind of person I am. So I am a person who does not let his apps auto-update. I don't let the operating system auto-update. I go and update it myself, right? At a time that's convenient for me right. to do so. So because of this, when I go in and see which apps need to be updated, there are some apps that I update them and then I launch them to see, okay, did this app maintain my my login because if it didn't i might as well take this opportunity now while i'm distracted just go ahead and log in again and it's pretty easy with like one password because what i don't want is to be out in the field so to speak and then have this critical app fail at that time when i might be under stress right so there's a whole bunch of apps i just really don't care i'm like whatever if it logs me out it's not a critical thing but like this app right here this one needs to work the first time every time let me go log into it or let me go uh, fire up the app to see did their engineers do a good job today <laughs> and it's a really sad uh statement on my uh, my personality and uh, as a reaction to how some of these apps just don't maintain your your login correctly it's it's so easy nowadays way easier than the hey remember when black pixel wrote this wrapper that they open sourced that everybody was using because keychain was hard it's like well it's a lot hard less hard now in 2022 like what are you what are you doing what's going on well and to 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 add to that apple added their own wrapper to the swift version of the keychain right so you don't have to you just get it from apple now right yeah um, i wrote an article on it back in 20 i mean 2014 was the first version but i think i updated it in 2017 and it's still still true you, could, you know i wrote a tutorial on using touch id back in on i can't remember if it started with objective c but Oh, no, I had a keychain key wrapper within Objective C because back then things weren't quite where they are today. But but then eventually they got to uh, a Swift version. So the latest article has how to do it in Swift um, with keychain. And then if you want to add, you know, Touch ID and Face ID and biometric, got that in there as well. Yeah, that's. I'll put a link in the show notes. That's my point. That you know, nowadays it's you know a whole lot nicer coming from Apple itself. Uh, the the old school API, I do admit, was sort of the combination of, you know, chainsaws and nunchucks, where it was like you really had to know what you were doing to make sure you weren't going to mess it up. And that's why everybody at the time used the Black Pixel wrapper, because it just made it a whole lot easier to, to get it right, because uh, they had done the hard work. But, you know, nowadays, to your point, it's it's got a swift version of doing that, which the types themselves should help you out you know, a whole lot instead of these, uh, was it like pointers or something? I think there was, uh, it was, it wasn't like regular objective C C stuff. It was like probably C, right? Yeah, it was C. Yeah. Yeah. It was ugly. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not really hard. I mean, like, you know, you can retrieve, you can retrieve things from, I mean, it's not like you can leak information from the keychain because it's pretty well protected. Right. But you know, you can retrieve information and, and reuse it. You know, provided it's the same user using the phone and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, you can, there are ways to manage security, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not hard. Make, you know what? Yeah, reduce friction for your users. That's what I'm going, I'm on about, right? What else is going on? What's going on in the Valley? What's going on in Seattle these days? How's your COVID doing? COVID's pretty low right now in the Valley, which is good. Same here. Um, Funny where cases are going up here, but, I mean, we're still, everybody's still... 
you know, oh, COVID's over, but, you know, and walking around freely and we don't have mask mandates on our, our right. national that's airlines all, anymore. That's all done here, too. Uh, I was just in Boston a couple of weeks ago and there was no, pretty much no sign of people paying attention to COVID anywhere on the on the route through the airport, through the air, through the city and back, except a few people wearing masks here and there, but not many. Well, I mean, I, I you know, I sort of get it. You know, I'm, I'm pretty vaccinated. I, I just had my latest booster with the, with the, you know, the Omicron booster. So I don't wear a mask anymore. Um, but, you know, I keep an eye on how things are going. And if the, if it starts climbing again, then, you know, I would start doing it again. If the rates start going up, but, you, but you've had bouts of COVID. Have you had the Omicron version yet? I well, I, I don't know if it was Omicron, but I caught. Yes, I did get it last June. Yes, first time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just had it in um, end of August. There, so it was not not fun, but not end of, no, not horrible. End of like, August, like, a, like yeah, we brought it back. We got it back on the way back from um, oh, Ireland. Well, that was your second time, though, right? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, I tested positive back in the, in the spring, but I didn't really notice anything particular. Like, you know, I might've had a, I might've felt a little queasy for a day, but no, this mm-hmm. was full, like full coughing and sneezing and, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. not, mm-hmm. not wanting to be vertical for a while, but I, I wasn't, you know, quite like flu sick or you now, like I was still able to work and, but yeah, I just wasn't, you know, I was on mute a lot because I was coughing all the time. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't, um. I don't know what to think about it. So for you know work conference I went to, I was one of a handful of people uh, masking it pretty much the entire time, except for all eating, right? Um, but otherwise, culturally, it is uh, it's pretty much over. Even if practically speaking, it's really not. We're settling into a uh, a yearly cycle for vaccination boosters, similar to the flu, uh, which I also got my flu shot as well. In addition to the yeah, I'm going to get mine on Friday. The combined yeah. one. So I think that's kind of where it's at. The The more pressing thing for here in the Seattle area is this Bolt Creek uh, fire that's been going on for like a month or more. I don't even know how long it's been anymore. Um, just a fire, like a forest Like fire? wildfire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And huh. uh, the the one saving grace uh, for me of, of uh, the new watchOS and the new iPhone, uh, iOS, is that you you have widgets that you can put to see what the air quality index is like. So I've, I've had those on so I could wake up and see, you know, what is it like? Is it, is it a decent time to go out and take the dog or should we just kind of, you know, wait it out for a little bit? So it kind of smells like a campfire. It's not always like that. Uh, there's some days that are better than others where it's less hazy, but boy, am I waiting for, you know, we're hoping for rain this weekend to, you know, one signal the actual sort of beginning of uh, autumn, which it doesn't feel like we're in. We're still in the 70s, which is uh, kind of mind blowing. And uh, to also start washing some of that particulate out of the air and hopefully start making it more difficult for that fire to sustain itself over in uh, it's like central, eastern kind of Washington area. Yeah, our fire day forecast looks like it's going to be warm again for a bit. Like, yeah, you're, you're right. We should be. Thinking about snow and stuff, but um, mind you, I, I usually find it doesn't start to really get snowy until November anyway, right? But, it, you know, first of November, it's usually raining. I'm still wearing shorts <laughs> during the day. It's usually by now, I've at least, uh, you know, maybe still wearing a, a t-shirt, but at least switching to jeans. And then eventually, you know, start putting on a hoodie and then long sleeves. And it's just really delayed. It's um, It's weird. 
Yeah, I'm I'm definitely wearing jeans and socks and long sleeves these days. You know, hoodies. It's not not that warm here. How are things in sunny California there, Mark? <laughs> um, nice. You know, it's we we had a couple of days of rain, uh, but uh, today it's it was warm again. Um, probably in the it's you know it's in the seventies. It's not bad. Yeah, we we're short on water, so we needed the rain, but we're still short. We're still short on water. Uh, it's a pretty bad drought right now. So if you want to send us some, you know, get a get some blocks of ice and put them in a in a package in the mail, mail them to California. You know, by the time it gets here, we'll, have, sure. we'll get the water. Yep. Sure. Get right on that. Okay. <laughs> All, right. All right. Thanks. Talk to you guys later. Bye. See ya. We're not.